There's one thing I want you to do for me. What? Come here. Win. and welcome to the Tim Gaither Podcast, Episode 9. I'm here in the studio with my buddy John Sheezer, and I just got back from Kansas City, and uh, it was great. I had a good time there. How you been, John? How was your weekend, buddy? Uh, my, you know, my weekend was good. I, uh, Since we've talked last, I went up to Seattle, did a couple shows up there at a, some casinos. Oh, yeah. Uh, John Slayton. Yep. I worked up there, which was a lot of fun. Um, I had some family that recently relocated to the area, so they came out and saw the shows and um, went to a couple baseball games and then did the, the Madhouse down in San Diego this previous Sunday, okay. which is a great club down there. And saw some baseball games. Is so. it fun? Is it still booked by the same guy? Yeah, uh, still still the same guy. And yeah, it was actually a lot of fun. I had, uh, Sam Tripoli was headlining. Okay. I did, did like 23, 24 minutes, which uh, for Southern California listeners is a lot is a lot of stage time. Yeah. And, uh, yeah but hard. it was good. Made a little bit of money and not a ton, but I covered my uh, travel costs and some food and some other stuff. So. Um, yeah, I was happy with that. But how was how was Kansas City? So, is it, it's no because it, is it Wednesday? It's not Wednesday through. Uh, it was Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We did five shows: one one Thursday, two Friday, Saturday. Uh, and it was good, man. I, you know, when I when you work at your home club, especially um, at Stanford and Sons, they want you to get they want you to get uh, your friends and family, and you know, do your social media and all that stuff. And and since it's your home club, you. I personally, um, no, no more people in the area and all that stuff. So I've tried to get friends and family out, which is kind of a, a double-edged thing. It can be kind of stressful. It can be like a job in itself, like like taking care of people and making sure everybody's on the right list and all that. So I just gave it to my manager's assistant and gave the uh, emails to, you know, put all that on my Facebook stuff and Instagram and all that. And it made it so much easier because they just sent the emails to her and then she was able to just confirm with them if they were on the list and i didn't have to do any of it i didn't have to know who was at the shows which i don't love knowing like i love the support and i love people to come to the shows but i don't really like knowing who's at each individual show you know and it's it's enhanced a little bit that it's a hometown show yeah you you got a little bit more family or your family and friends people you grew up with yeah and and i kind of like not knowing who's in the audience uh, for a variety of reasons. One, I don't worry about it. I don't think about, oh, so-and-so's here, so, you know, maybe I should be cleaner or whatever, like if it's like an older family member or something. I just do what I do, you know, and I don't think about that, and it makes it a lot better and easier for me. Like I try to even avoid looking at the crowd before the show starts because I don't want to know who's there, (laughs) you know? Just that little stuff. And people, I hope people don't perceive it as snobby like if they – you know, uh, want to talk to me and I, you know, act like I didn't hear him or something. It's because, it's because I get freaking nervous sometimes. I know how I am and I don't, I just don't want anything that doesn't, I read this in a book when I was first starting out, anything that doesn't add detracts, you know? So if you got something in your brain that doesn't need to be there, it takes away from what you're supposed to do. It's distracting. You're, you're, yeah. you're losing focus a little bit. And guys, look, don't, don't bother the person before the show, uh, you know, if you don't, like if you bump into a short, say hi, that sort of thing. But, you know, try not to go out of your way. Uh, I mean, look, if we approach you, that's completely different. But like Tim was saying, you know, there's a certain mindset. 
and you're maybe you're doing new jokes right or you're trying to figure out a new order of xyz yeah it's just a lot to say hi afterwards just plan on staying an hour after the show to really catch up because there'll be a lot of people and it takes it takes a while yeah you know friends and family often ask me if i want to go to eat before the shows and and i'm like you know i almost laugh like no (laughs) not only do i not want to not only am i not um, gonna be that good a company because my mind is elsewhere, but I, I just can't eat a lot before I go on. And at the same time, I have to have food in me. Like, you know that feeling when you get really hungry and your blood sugar drops? Um, if, if I get there, I feel nervous. You know what I mean? And I discovered that, oh, I just gotta eat a little bit, like a half a protein bar or something, like 15 minutes before I go on. And it takes away a lot of those nerves. I've, I've learned, I, because I, I went through it so bad this last year, stage whatever it was, anxiety before shows. Because I was been a little nervous, but this last year it really got, just felt overwhelming, you know. And it would start early in the day, and I was like, God, this sucks. And so then I started reading about anxiety and what causes it and all this. So I cut out caffeine, and I, I started doing all these little things different. Even doing like a breathing thing. A natural approach. Yeah. And even doing like a breathing thing before the show and taking more magnesium, which is good for your nervous system and all this shit. And I, I feel a lot better. You know, I was doing home shows this weekend and I didn't feel, you know, I felt so much better than I would have even a year ago. And what's weird and what sucks is right before I go up, those nerves usually go away no matter how bad they are. That's what pisses me off. I'm like, God. What the hell was that all about, you know? You can almost, you can trust that they'll go away, but for some reason you you still can't let yourself believe that until your foot is on the stage. Yeah. And then I, at that point you're like, well, I'm here, so I guess I got to not worry about it anymore and just I, have a good time. I've got this little thing I do um, before, I st- before I set foot on the stage, and it's almost like, you remember that movie Over the Top when he's like, uh, turn my head around. And uh, it's like it changes me. <laughs> Something yeah, like it's, that. Game, it's game time. It's game time. Yeah. And right, and I can't get this way until they say my name. But for some reason, no matter how nervous I am, I, I don't know when I started doing this, 10, 15 years ago, when they would say, please welcome Tim Gaither. Before my foot hits the bottom of the, the first step, I, I'll say out loud, I mean, just to myself, that's right, you bitches. <laughs> and it kind of puts me in this mood like, you don't got time to be scared or nervous. You're like, or, it's, you're like I'm coming for you. You're yeah. going to watch out. You're going to have a great time. And no matter how nervous I am, before, as soon as I get behind that mic, 99% of the time, it just goes away and I become kind of a different person. I think that's part of the addiction. And my buddy Justin pointed out, uh, you know, he was like, you just got to remember that you felt this way literally thousands of times i mean when i was a kid in wrestling i would throw up before every tournament except the big ones and that's kind of how i am now like if it's some bullshit show that doesn't even mean anything i'll be nervous and the bigger it is the the more the more calm i am you know opening for russell peters in front of 1500 people i was felt completely calm but you put me at an open mic where there's like you know open micers who think oh this guy's a headliner 12 people eating brats and yeah Rubens, you're like, oh man, I really gotta. This isn't. Like, yeah. I gotta bring it. I'll get nervous, or or like I feel like I have something to prove if it's like some shitty open mic or, I don't know. But the the shows were good, man. Um, radio was was. I did two radios and one was great. Some DJs, if if any DJs happen to be listening and you have a comedian on your show, even if you don't think their shit is funny, laugh at it. 
it's better for your show. It's certainly better for us. Um, this one DJ wasn't staring at you. In, well, this guy was he just wasn't paying attention. Oh, uh, like he, I was just doing, like somebody just hit me up about a question and I'm like typing, you know, I'm just like, yeah, 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 yeah. He was kind of doing that, but I was, it was during, it was, I was doing a, you know, a bit on the radio and <laughs> you know, right. you're supposed to, yeah, at that point, yeah, just do it's your like, job, it's asshole. like a conversation, do your job, dickhead. It's like a conversation with a crowd or with a DJ or anything. If, if when we tell a joke and the people laugh, it's like a give and take, okay? Boom, boom. It's like, you know, and it gets into a rhythm. But if you tell a joke and there's nothing, I, I tell people all the time, if crowds knew how much better we were when they're good, they would always be good, you know? And because it, we're so much better, and it's like they don't even know. So a shitty crowd is like, God, you guys are missing a good show. If the just, crowd's bad. There's no chance you're getting into fifth or sixth gear. If the crowd's good, you're like, wow, I didn't even know I could go to seventh. Yeah. And, and really, that's the the simplest way to explain it. Have like, you ever met Gallagher? He, uh, yes, I have. Uh, he's told me some great stories. Yeah, uh, he's a different breed of cat. When I first met him, to be honest with you, I didn't. I was like, who is this? I mean, I knew who he was, of course, but... At first, I was like, you know, because he'll just tell you what he thinks. Like, you shouldn't do that, or this is bullshit, <laughs> you know. And then and, ask everybody for weed immediately. <laughs> He's a different breed of cat. But when I filmed that special, he was giving me advice, and that was pretty cool. I think I told you that once. And uh, he told me, when I came backstage one time, and I said that to him. I go, I just didn't like that crowd. And he was like, I always say the crowd gets exactly the show they deserve, <laughs> you know. And what he meant by that was... Well, if they suck, we're going to suck, you know? It's just it's just a give and take, but most shows this week were good. I didn't have that problem, but there was a couple that, you know, we just know how it's supposed to sound, and when it doesn't, sometimes we think the show sucked, and then afterwards people are like, no, it was great. It was just, you know, some crowd. Had that lull, or like it didn't hit the same way, or... And some crowds don't laugh as loud, you know? They Sorry. don't, or... Or maybe maybe they all have Bell's palsy and they can just kind of smirk and smile a little <laughs> bit, you know, or something like that. But uh, it's tough, uh, especially let's say if it's the first show and you do a joke and it's huge, bam, bam, bam. You're you actually have that moment in your head where you're like, I'm going to take a drink just to let that laugh ride out an extra six right. seconds because God damn it, I earned it and it's there. And then come back where the where later the second show two hours later you do the same joke and it's like a ha 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 from the side from the side. Something in the middle, yeah, and it's a half second, and you're done, and you're like, "Damn, I'm kind of thirsty." And, and it screws with you, man. It 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 can be so weird to do a joke one show and it do so well. And I even pointed it out in the second show. I was like, "It's so weird that I did that an hour ago, and it just destroyed." And then you guys, <laughs> you know, and they laughed at that, but I was just like, so because it was it was just one of those honest moments. You know, um, gosh dang it, I had a story I wanted to tell you. I forgot what it was now. Um, if it pops up again. Yeah, yeah. L the luxury of a podcast. Was it based on something that happened this weekend in Kansas City? or? No, it was about crowds just in general. Um, oh, oh yeah. I was, in, uh, I was in Dallas, Texas one time. I was working at the improv. I was working at two improvs back to back. And I had uh, a few days off in between. And this, this comic, uh, this open mic guy was like, hey man, you want to do some shows on your day off days off and uh you know i was like sure i'll go work out some new stuff and we went to this gay bar and i did uh they were just i did this contest at this gay bar that i ended up winning 
<laughs> and uh, made like a hundred bucks. And I was like, all right, cool. Hell yeah. Well, I was up there and I was talking to the, you know, nothing but gay dudes. And I go, uh, you know, I just don't understand why people would think that God made you a certain way and then is going to punish you for it. And then I paused and I go, and this was all, this wasn't something I wrote. It was just me talking. And I paused and I go, uh, well, they also say serial killers are born that way. So who knows? Maybe all of you will burn in hell. And they laughed. <laughs> they laughed so hard and so long that it got uncomfortable for me. Like, okay, fuckers, I got to keep going. I mean, they just, because it was just honest and whatever. And, and they just, gay people, it cracks me up when people, are, when people think, Gay people are sensitive because they're really not. <laughs> gay people have to have a good sense of humor, especially older gay people, because it wasn't like this when they were growing up. You know, they had to be closeted, and they had like the they developed these senses of humor from. Anytime you're in a trying time, like my brother and I growing up had a stepmom that we just she's Was gone. Trying. She's <laughs> gone now, so I don't want to talk too bad about her. But I mean. We were just miserable for a couple of years, but we used to crack each other up just because no one else really understood our struggle between, except the two of us. And that's kind of how it is. My, my uncle, who was gay, uh, passed away when he was 30 um, from AIDS, actually. Uh, so I was, six, well, I was 16 with that, when that happened, and, and whenever that happened, I was like, that's for me was like... Uh, I never needed anyone to tell me, make sure you wear a condom or any of that stuff. Absolutely. Um, but he, he had the best sense of humor because he lived in a time where it wasn't cool to be gay and it wasn't okay. And, and he had to hide it and all that stuff, but he was just wickedly funny because of that. He had developed a sense of humor. And I think I just happened to hit the gay bar who was all of that generation and that mindset. Cause when I said that, I mean, I thought I was like, I just wrote a killer bit. Yeah, I just wrote a kick-ass joke. Well, I went to the improv the next night. I couldn't wait to do this line because it was just going to bring the house down again. Well, I went up there, and I got into whatever material I was talking about, gay people, and I was like, yeah, but they, they say serial killers are born like that too, so who knows? Maybe they will all burn in hell. And I just waited and heard like, and, uh, nothing. I mean, <laughs> you could have heard a mouse pee on cotton, dude. It was just <laughs> like, oh my! Everyone's like, oh my god! Ever, yeah, everyone's like, oh my god! What an asshole! <laughs> You're like, no, 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 no! I was like, just at the barn yeah, last night. I'm like, gay people, trust me, they just. But it was one of those freaking deals, man. Some things you just can't recreate. That's like, yeah, like that's that really... Bruce Bruce story I was telling you. The uh, what? So what? Well, that started, uh, listeners, we, we were talking um, off the air just about uh, just doing black rooms as a white comic. And uh, Tim, as uh, what did you say, you got a little bit of black in you in the sense that you, you just. I, I think even. Uh, <laughs> like we, we I do. think I seriously do. Like if I took a, uh, a DNA test, I mean, I think we're all pretty much. Yeah, at some, at some level, for right. sure. We've all got a certain amount of, uh, of each other. After, after 300 years of America. Yeah, you know. humping each other. We've all got some in us. But, um, but I've always done well with black audiences, and I've always had uh, great black friends. And, and, and so I was the best show of my life, speaking of recreating things or wishing I had something on, on video. Probably the best 10 minutes of my career, I was opening for Bruce Bruce, and uh, I was featuring for him. 
and all week the show's been great and I was just it was Sunday night I was just gotten paid I mean you know I think I I just quit drinking like a year prior I mean I was just happy and and I went up and was having this great show and before the show I had seen this guy the gayest dude I've ever seen in my life he had this half shirt on that said sister for rent he had these little shorty shorts on. Yeah, I mean, just, just looking for attention. Could not have been, you know. And uh, and I see him before the show in the bathroom, and I kind of laughed or whatever, and that was it. And then all during my set, it's a Sunday night, it's packed, and there's this table up front that's empty, except for a half a half eaten steak. And the whole show, I'm thinking in the back of my head, what the hell is that about? Why'd they eat half their steak and leave? Well, then about 10 minutes left of my set, 15 minutes left, there's this, uh, that little gay dude comes in, and he's got this big black woman behind him. And, I mean, he has to come all the way across the room. So everyone in there just stops listening to me and just looks at him because he's making a spectacle. And he sits down. Plus he's front and center. Yes. Right in front in the middle. Right in the front. And uh, he sits down, and I go, you know you just fucked up my joke, right? He's like, what I do? <laughs> and I go... I go, well, everyone in here saw you sashay across the room and knew that if I was any kind of comic, I had to say something to you. And everyone started laughing, and this big woman he was with goes, you leave her alone. And I was like, her? I just saw her in the men's room. And then it started this 10-minute thing between her and I where I was just clubbing her to death. <laughs> and the only line I really remember was her going, I'm going to come up there and kick your ass. I go, girl, by the time you get up here, I'll be in the office cashing my check. <laughs> she, just, I mean, dude, it was the best response. Dude, that's great. Bar none that I've ever gotten. A hot black audience has no equal. They, they, it was just, they were pounding on the tables. They were standing up and screaming and hollering. And... And people were coming from next door, the bar next door, to find out if everything was okay next door. Like, what the fuck is going on in here? And I came off, and uh, this black dude came, put his, threw his arm around me. He's like, you a crazy motherfucker. You a crazy white boy. <laughs> like, like mauling me. It's like and, a Super Bowl champion at that yeah, point. Yeah, dude, it was the best feeling ever. And if I would have had it recorded, I probably wouldn't be sitting here doing this podcast for 100 so, listeners. You're saying, you're saying 106 <laughs> after this episode goes up. Uh, yeah, baby. Uh, so you're saying minute for minute, that's your best, you know, 12 minutes in your comedy career? Best, yeah. Just the best, like, wow, this is what God made me to do. This is what, you know, because it was just, I was just leaning against the wall, and she would say something, and I'd just, just rope club her over the head like, with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was come just back, killing her. Chill. Yeah, and I, I've had a few like that. I, ha I was in Denver and uh, worked, uh, featuring for D. Ray Davis about 10 years ago. And uh, there was this big black dude up front. And, and when I'm on stage, I'm not scared of anybody. And I was fucking with him. And uh, and he was trying to take it, but he was sitting right up front, so he didn't want to look like too much of a chump. But I was just killing him. And when, we, when, when I, I was off stage, he came around and... Threw his, threw his hand up and put it around my throat and kind of slammed me against the wall a little bit. And then I was like kind of freaked out. And then he's like, and then he broke into a grin. He's like, I got you too, <laughs> motherfucker. And I'm yeah, like, yes, you did. You assaulted me physically. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I could actually technically probably have your ass arrested, but <laughs> it was uh, it was great, man. Like that. Oh, man. You're yeah. going to Kansas City tomorrow, right? Yeah, flying out tomorrow. Going to be recreating 
hopefully your magical weekend this weekend at Stanford's on uh, yeah Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Because I was surprised it's been a couple of years since I've been back there doing the club, but because um, it used to be Wednesday and Sunday, Wednesday it, through Sunday. Yeah, yeah, it was like seven shows, which is a long time. Sometime, yeah, sometime. I, I kind of liked that Wednesday. I, I kind of liked the Wednesday show and and just uh, you know just to kind of get back into the week or whatever. Like I hadn't I hadn't headlined in like three weeks. I hadn't done except LA I'd been doing LA shows all seven to 10 minutes or whatever. And, uh, it's kind of fun when it's been a couple of weeks, you know, when you, when you get thrown out there and, and messing around. And I did a bit about Syria that I did five shows and three of the shows it did pretty well. One of the shows just got stared at me, but I think it was my fault. I kind of screwed it up. Um, and a lot of people I think just don't realize, don't even know anything about any of that shit. Yeah, I mean, look, there's a lot of distractions, and at this point, you can choose the news. You can go through and subscribe. I want to watch. This is what I want to see. I want to see sports, weather, and local news. And right. And then if that's what your little settings are on your phone, then that's what you see. And so yeah. I, that that definitely could be part of it is people just opting not to, uh, you know, flood their thoughts with all with more negative imagery and negative reports. And right. Then as it gets bigger, it seeps into the regular national news. But even then. Um, you know, yeah, I don't know how many people know who what Aleppo is. Nor did I even, you know, five or six months ago. But yeah, I'm fairly ignorant about about that stuff. Politics in general, just uh, I try, man, to understand what the hell everyone's talking about. But they're just also full of shit, and it's all about how you say it. Like I'm not a, I'm, I don't support Trump. I'm not a fan of him as a person or anything else. But he said basically the exact same thing about immigration that bill clinton said he just said it so much better you know he said it was so much more tact and so much more yeah yeah a few years ago i saw it congress gave him a standing ovation for what he said about and he basically said the same thing as trump he just said it so much better in this country we're all about window dressing in america you know if it looks better if it sounds better we'll take that one yeah well that one's the evil one yeah but they're taller and they're better looking I, we'll take that one i think it's <laughs> i think it it's definitely like the shine's better and then the year like if that was 10 years ago yeah like politically that deserved a standing ovation whereas now you say the same thing and all of a sudden it's shocking and like oh my god you know be on the right side of history and all that kind of stuff yeah where you know so it's just kind of like the political times and changed, uh, you know, I want to say PC and all that kind of stuff, which, you know, we've addressed with comedy. People laugh at one joke and they don't laugh at another joke. You know, it's like everyone, every comic's got that throwaway that they've had for four or five years. And then you pull it out and you're like, damn, she used to crush. You'd be like, oh, it's now a sensitive topic because, you know, there was a shooting. That happens all the time, too. You'll have a good joke and then something happens in the media the news that, that is specifically <laughs> about that topic. And then that thing's a wash. Yeah. Out the window for four or five months because you're like, damn it. Right after one of those shootings, there was a black guy up front and he wasn't having that good of a time. And he started to reach for his drink and then he pulled his hand back. I go, you can reach for your drink. I'm not going to shoot you. (laughs) (laughs) And it was one of those things where the timing was just right and it was just honest enough. Just like the club. (laughs) Yes. That everybody started laughing. But that's one of those that if you were like, oh, I got a new bit now. I'm going to say that every time. Some crowds would be like, oh, my God, I can't believe he just said that to that. You know, people are. Uh, I can't believe that it's going the other direction. That the that it's more politically correct. You would think by now, it wouldn't have to be. It's kind of sad to me. It's, you know, uh, I think it's social media too. Like a lot of this shit. Yeah. 
you know, it, everything gets so misconstrued and people, God, they say some off shit, you know? White people and black people and Mexicans and everyone else, everyone, you know, we're all just, some of the shit I read, I'm like, man, what's wrong with you fuckers? Just shut up. People are still arguing about the election on Facebook. I'm like, why don't you write your congressman, dickhead? <laughs> you know, maybe that would help. I mean, there, we did have the science protest, which I didn't understand we needed to, or, or it wasn't, it was a science march, the March for Science this past weekend, which was all, I guess, in all the cities all over the country. But it's people marching for science, and I was just, it was weird. I'm like, we, like, I didn't know, I didn't realize science needed a march. Right. Like, yeah. I guess in a, in a, in a broader scale, it maybe, maybe it was a glo- global warming, you know, eyes on you know the, the the climate and all that kind of stuff but uh we're in a very march friendly uh society right even now. even when i see commercials that like try to that are trying to bring us together so to speak um some of those annoy me because i'm like does that really need to be said anymore that it that it's <laughs> you know that it's okay to have color different friends of different colors and races and creeds does that need to be said anymore that makes me sad that they have still have to have a fucking commercial telling people you know we're all the same and we're all deserve Reminding. deserving of being treated with respect it makes me sad that we still have to have fucking commercials for that in 2017 at age 42 you know what I mean? The, well, just, you're having, you're essentially having commercials raise adults that didn't learn that already, should have that should have learned that 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, it's kind of like when you're doing a rural show. And I know these are really prevalent in Montana, but the billboards that just say like "meth kills," they have in West Hollywood, "meth, meth, don't do meth," and pictures and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, yeah, you shouldn't do meth, but if you need a billboard every hundred yards montana to, to remind you to not do meth then you know sure do yeah it. if you're already in in the meth that billboard isn't going to help you you're not going to be like you know what i probably shouldn't you know if you're deconstructing the billboard for ingredients for your meth production then you probably that that is true about meth any single ingredient will kill you by itself i heard but all combined it makes the wonder drug when you cook it properly it. Yeah. it's so sweet yeah, so good. What cra- those billboards that crack me up are the ones across the Midwest that say something and then it's signed God. Don't make me come down there, God. I'm like, how arrogant are you assholes who made that billboard to to act like you're speaking for God? You know, and say it. They'll say stuff like about hell and this or that, and it'll be signed God. And I'm like, wow, you got some balls. <laughs> Making shit up and then signing God's name to it. That's when you're like, maybe we should tax churches because then they wouldn't have all this extra revenue to put up billboards on I-70 or yeah. I-44 headed to Tulsa or wherever you're at in the Midwest. Don't make me come down there. One was, uh, I used to have a joke about it. I would say, what's the next one? The next one I'm going to say, thou shalt not pimp G-Dog. Because it was all these like... <laughs> It was all these, like, you know, I can't think of what the hell they were now. But, yeah, I used to have a joke about it. I used to have a couple jokes about how freaking dumb they were. Sorry. It's all right. Lowering my level there. Uh, Get you a more direct attack into the microphone. Yeah, I kind of miss that, driving across the Midwest and and seeing that shit. I never get to drive anywhere anymore. See, that's what I'm getting. That's what I'm getting into now, having been out of comp, not been out of touring, traveling comedy for full, you know, for a while. So now that I'm back in L.A. and. I'm excited about getting out on the road and, you know, you book 
a, a good one-nighter, and that covers rental car and gas, you know, yeah. ideally for a week-long run. And then it's just, the, you know, the, prop, the hard thing is just booking those Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday nights. But if you can get shows booked in there, then, yeah. you know, it's worth it. But you're right. It's fun. You get to see the country, and you're in a car, so you're actually on the ground. And Yeah, you think a lot, I think a lot more, you know, on long drives and... Uh... I don't know. I just kind of, I just kind of miss them. I rarely get to do it. When I go to Arizona, sometimes I'll drive or, or Reno. But then I like racking up those Southwest free flights, baby. Points. Yeah. Nice. Speaking of a flight, uh, that reminds me of my favorite Bruce Burr's story. I got this story secondhand, but uh, from Reno Collier, he told me the story. But he was sitting next to Bruce on a plane, and they had like a layover, and Bruce, Bruce, and Reno didn't get off. They just sat there. And if it's not Reno, I'm sorry, but I'm pretty sure it was Reno Collier that told me this story. They're sitting there, and this woman walks by, and she recognizes Bruce, and she goes, Hello, Mr. Bruce. Uh, I'm getting ready to get off the plane. Do you need anything? And he's like, Oh, candy. And she goes, Well, any kind of candy, Mr. Bruce? He goes, No, baby girl, just candy. So she goes off the plane and comes back 20 minutes later with all this you know, licorice and candy bars and all kinds of shit. He's a big guy, too, He's a right? big dude. And uh, I think he's lost some weight, but he's still a big dude. And she walks away, and Reno was like, how do you know that girl? He goes, I don't know that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so, so some lady just randomly yeah, walked that's by. That's, that's yeah. star power right there. Yeah, and he wasn't like, you know. He obviously had had people do that before because he wasn't like taken aback, like, oh, you don't have to get me anything. He was just like, oh, this happens to me all the time. I'll take candy. <laughs> <laughs> it was like 15 years ago, he wrote it. I'm going to talk about people buying me candy on the road. And that way, people will come up and ask me if I want candy. He's a funny man. One his, uh, his, every time I've, I've seen his show, and even when I've seen it, I'm sure he's changed it by now, but I've seen him do the same act a couple times, and it made me laugh. It made me laugh every time, which is what I worry about the most when people come to my shows in Kansas City that have seen me a bunch of times is I always worry about having a new enough new material for them, you know, because um, it's kind of a it's kind of a balancing act between, you know, you want to do a good job and you want the crowd to have a good time that hasn't seen you. And and uh, but at the same time, you want to make sure you've got some fresh stuff in there and you're not just. You know, so that's kind of the the challenge for me, and I always worry about that. And then afterwards, I can be like, "Oh, hey, you know, did you see that? And did you enjoy it?" And and hopefully they did. But that's that's usually the only thing I worry about when it comes to Kansas City. But it was great to see people. We raised some money for uh, for Bo Bo Macon making it happen. Yeah, guys, listeners, if you go to um, makingithappen.com, it's it's uh, um I guess not not an organization, but you know it's it's, it's, a, it's his uh, blog. His mom maintains it, I think, blog and website. But it's uh, the 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 address is just M A C A N. It happen M making it happen. M A C A N. It happen dot com. If you want to donate, but sorry, I cut you off. Go on. It's okay. With, with the description and with Bo and everything else. Uh, Bo, I mentioned him in the last podcast. He's a uh, little boy. His name's Four. His name's Bo Macon. He was named after Bo Jackson. His dad, which was we a, love, which we yeah, love. His dad was a big Bo Jackson fan, and he's got a book called Super Bo that I, I read. And and uh, I said last week that if you if you read his little story about how he spends 300 days a year in the hospital and how he can't hardly play for an hour or two before he just gets exhausted and, and he just has a hard life and he's such a freaking cute kid. And, and, 
And so I, I passed around, not passed it around, but after the shows, we had an envelope, and the people of Kansas City were very generous. And, uh, and you know, the the goal ultimately is to get Bo a pool. Like, that's he, he has a hard time with any other physical exercise, you know, to be able to maintain or do very long. Um, so a pool would really help, and that's kind of the ultimate goal. And I met a guy who was, like, with Bikers for Babies or something in Kansas City. They do a lot of great shit out of there. And he was he was very interested in, in helping Bo, and it was at, right after the show, and I didn't have a pen. I didn't write down his name, but he said he was going to get a hold of me. And you're waiting uh, for you, If you're out there, sir, yes, listening to the podcast. please, and I can't remember your name. I feel like a jackass, but you seem sincere, and you said you're going to get a hold of me, and I haven't heard from you yet, but I would like to because we need to get that boy a pool. And, and guys, look, makingithappen.com, uh, we want you – you know, to support that, you know, financially, if you can give anything, that would be incredible. But whether if it's bikers for babies in Kansas City or, or there's tons of organizations and programs that are in need of financial assistance or your time, if you want to donate your time and go down there and help some people out, um, you know, and give back a little bit. It's always appreciated and it goes a long way um, and uh, it makes you feel good, right? Yeah. Yeah, if you're depressed, give something to somebody. It usually helps. For a selfish reason, you can give. Yeah. You can still be selfish and yeah. give. Yeah, be selfish and help somebody out. Be selfish to help yourself feel better. Um, how long have we been rambling for? Oh, we're, not, we're almost halfway there. We're, okay. we're, we're doing good. We're doing good. I think um, I was going to say, as far as, as far as the anxiety, not to just bring beat this thing to death, but does it get better Like the more shows like – yeah, you know, oh, you're sure. filling you're filling up your summer and listeners. That's um, Syracuse, New York, late uh, May, and then in June, I didn't even pull it up here. I guess we'll go we'll go through. It's all, all on TimGatherComedy.com. Yeah, TimGatherComedy. We had Syracuse coming up, and then uh, lots of other places. I'm pretty busy this summer. But, um, but like, does it like say it's becoming an issue? Does it get better? Yeah. Like, you say you know you're booked like back to back to back to back weekends by the if you, if it's starting to become an issue week one. By week two, is it starting to get worse, or is it depending on the shows, or is it all just like you were saying, diet and all that kind of weird stuff? Depending on, yeah. Um, well, I've I, I honestly never know when it's going to happen or when I'm going to feel like I'm super calm. But um, uh, it, yeah, to answer your question, it does get better. Like it, like on a Wednesday or Thursday, that first show of the week, I'm probably more um anxious than than any other show and after i get the first one out of the way and you've been on that stage especially if it's like a new room or um even if the weeks are back to back sometimes that first show i'm a little more nervous than normal which is why that which is why that wednesday show was so nice back in the day yeah because you could kind of you get in you get a feel for everybody exactly before the big the big crowd starts showing up yeah um so so it and and I've always just been kind of wired that way. Like I said, when I was a kid, I threw up before every freaking tournament when I was wrestling. <laughs> Up until a certain age, I used to get, I used to get sick. Um, I think I was in high school before I stopped getting sick on the first day of school. I'd get nervous and throw up. I mean, every year, and then I would feel better and I'd be fine. <laughs> okay, now I got- so I was just wired that way. You know, I'd be a little kid walking to the tournament, and you know, I just. There'd be a trash can. I, I wouldn't even break stride sometimes. Just bleh. But you knew you knew it was coming. Did you? You're like, all right, so I can't eat. I'm not going to eat because I know I'm going to throw up later. Then that's got to factor into that I'm not eating food before the show thing too. Yeah, and that mainly, mainly it's not not a throwing up thing for me anymore about not eating much before the show. It's just 
I, I, I would rather be drunk and stoned than too full. You know, it's like it's something about uh, my wrestling coach used to always talk about how in high school about how you don't go on the mat with too much food in your stomach because then all your blood's in your stomach digesting your food. It's not where it needs to be. Um, and that, I think I've always taken that mentality. Yeah, that could be complete bullshit, but it sounds legit. It could be, yeah, yeah, but it sounds good to me. And I do notice a difference. I have to have a little bit of food in me or I feel it. I do feel anxious. And that's a big thing, too. It took me forever to realize you've got to eat something, you yeah. know? Yeah, maybe that's why I feel a little jittery after I drink a gallon of coffee by 3 in the afternoon. And I'm yeah, like, and that's another reason I quit. Uh, I, I think I said this, but I was in... Uh, I was in bed a few months ago, you know, just in the morning, and we're drinking coffee, and I was like, this is exactly how I feel when I'm super anxious. I'm like, well, maybe I should just stop drinking this shit. <laughs> it, it takes a moment of brief clarity like that to realize what you're doing yeah. when, beco- when something becomes so habit. Yeah, and I also it. read about how it zaps your serotonin, the caffeine, which can make you depressed. So Really? Yeah. Okay. I still drink caffeine every day, I still, but I drink, I drink tea now, black tea and green tea and... Um, matcha tea. I used to say matcha tea, and my buddy Jim Marks was like, uh, it's matcha. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, and for me, too, it's like my teeth could use a whitening less frequently if I wasn't drinking coffee. Yeah. I wasn't bathing, my dipping my teeth in coffee for five hours a day. Yeah, you don't really realize it until you, you know. Have you ever looked at the back of your teeth with, like, a little mirror? Hell no. Yeah, you don't want to do that. <laughs> I get back there once a week, maybe, you know, and make sure... Except. Well, when I was drinking coffee, I would notice it. I'd, I'd get, I got this little dental mirror, and I just looked back there, and I was like, "Holy shit! Like, you, you better sneak up on a toothbrush and get I back there." I can't let the dentist see that. He's gonna. Oh yeah, I've got out. this. I've got this awesome dentist dude. He's Russian, and uh, he, he's just good, man. He's like, he's like, okay, my brother. <laughs> he's just real. Like, he calls me my brother, and he, he's just he's real. Uh, I don't know. He doesn't really fucking hurt me. He's pretty cool. Just a good, solid dentist. Yeah. And he, uh, you know, builds some things accordingly to my insurance, which God bless him. He makes uh, it work. Yeah. He's a, he's, a great, he's a great dentist, dude. Which I went to the freaking eye doctor today, and they're like, yes, from now on, your contacts are going to be about $1,600. The, uh, your insurance has decided they're, not gonna, they're only going to pay for $300 of it, so you're going to be responsible for $1,300 just so I can freaking see every year. Um, and, and, and so you got super contacts or is it, are they like, I've got this thing called keratoconus. So my cornea is shaped funny and they've got a fit. Oh, uh, yeah, it's a special. It's, it's like, yeah. a, it's like you got prosthetic contact lenses or something. Like they're, that. they're huge, dude. If I took them out, you'd be amazed how freaking big they are. They're like little, they're like little bowls. You could practically eat a freaking bowl of soup. Out of <laughs> take a shit. shot of tequila out of them. Yeah, you could. You could eye. take a shot out of my contacts <laughs> if that's what you wanted to do. <laughs> Here, Dude, give me, give me your contact. And I can't pull them out with just my eyes. I have to use a plunger, a tiny plunger. Oh. Freaking, it's not bad. It's not as bad as you, as you think. I think I've got it in my pocket because I just came from the eye doctor. Let's see this thing. Yeah. It literally looks like a tiny plunger. Oh, right wow. There. Yeah. I mean, not not literally. You're gonna lose that thing immediately. That thing is so well, small. It is small. I've got like four or five. Oh, okay, and, okay. And I good. do worry about losing them because if I do lose it, You're like screwed, I right? can't take it out with just. I mean, I probably could, but I probably like might break, break the contact it, right? or. Yeah. So they're a little bit. They're not like flimsy, normal, like disposable. They're, they're not they're, flimsy, but I did drop one this weekend, um, and it hit like the edge of the drain, Ooh, and you know, that's nice. it's a lot of money for that little piece of plastic, and whew, fuck, it scared me. Um, I've lost, I don't know how many. I lost a pair at the World I lost uh, 
lost one down at the, at the World Championships. We went to Vegas, the World Championships, and I lost the left one out of my eye. And uh, I wanted to kill myself. I was so pissed off. <laughs> you're just dizzy all the time. And then you're like, well, do I just take the other one out and try to find a pair of glasses at CVS that somehow magically work? Or knew uh, my eyes are so bad, I wouldn't be able to. When I was a kid, I was, uh, you know, we didn't have a lot of money, and I had these... Uh, glasses that the frames were literally like twenty dollars and and i was at a i would never wear them because they were so freaking ugly and i think i broke the arm off of one of the you know so i had like these big brown ugly frames with one of the arms broken off i was like i'm not gonna wear those so i just walked around in high school blind a good 80 percent of my high school career people throw it fuzz fuzz People, yeah, people probably thought I was a freaking snob. They're like, say hi to Gaither. He doesn't even say hi back. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know who that was. I, yeah, I can't see you, buddy. Wow, you're right. You definitely, people probably thought you were a dick. He's like, what? Like yeah. He just walks right by. He doesn't even say hi. I that- couldn't, couldn't see shit in class, and I was too, you know, prideful or whatever to be like, I can't see. I <laughs> don't really want to sit in the front and like yeah. have to pay attention and be on guard all the time. I remember one time I wanted to watch uh, when I was a freshman. I wanted to watch the guys I was going to have to wrestle. So I put my glasses on and I like put my hoodie up, you know, so no one could see me. And I like was sitting down like in the bleachers, like kind of trying to hide myself, you know, because you're in high school. And Willie Burns was like, he looked around and he's like, nice glasses, man. <laughs> I was like, fuck you, Willie. <laughs> so he's like a senior and, you know, super tough guy and all this shit. And uh, it was, that was the last person I wanted to see me in those freaking classes Nick, don't say anything dickhead <laughs> yeah man i'm blind that was the same way I... and i found out today that everybody gets cataracts nobody gets out unscathed if you get old enough you will get cataracts really yeah there's no getting around it my eye doctor told me that today i'm like really i thought that was just something you got or you didn't get she's like no if you live long enough you'll get fucking cataracts and with my eye condition uh she was like hopefully they're farther along than they are now because you know they blind people all the time <laughs> i'm that, like man, sweet looking at full-time glasses here it's something awesome years. to look forward to because that's, oh, that's awesome. all i'm gonna do when i'm an old bastard is read and watch freaking tv and you know a lot of lounging read. yeah that's yeah, what i'm going and, for and i won't be able to i won't even be able to read that's the great thing about being a comic man you can read a lot of freaking books if you want to is that what we're supposed to do well if you want to yeah i should probably do i got like a well I say a short stack. I've got books around. Half of them are. Do you not like to read? No, I do. They're just all about baseball and mold baseball players. And then I've got a the uh, Stephen King book on writing that's really good. And okay, you know the main thing with anything is just follow through. I'm halfway through the Stephen King. I just got to finish it and get all the inspiration and knowledge in that, and then just put that into the scripts and all the other stuff I'm working. Yeah, on. Yeah, when I was a kid, I wouldn't do my schoolwork but i'd read a different book almost every freaking day it's probably why my eyes eyes are so shitty because i would just check out a book like early that morning and by the end of the day i had it read um but that's all i would do like in the car at night and you know pretty exciting child yeah it's adventure as long as i mean look uh if you can read 20 books a year you're that's a lot of education and we used to have, we had this book it program where you got a free pizza. Hell if yeah. You, you remember that? With the pen and yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You, you got a little hunt. coupon. Yep. And I had read so many books that I would just, that I was just like, I read another book. I want to do another book report. You know, I'd, and I would just pick any book that I had from home and you know, I was a poor kid. So I love those freaking book it coupons just to call my grandma and have her come get me. And 
Yeah, well, it's your own personal. Those personal pans, they were kick ass. Yeah. They came into your table hot, still in the in the in the deep dish pan. It's weird, man. I liked certain things more when I was a kid. Taco Bell was better. I think Pizza. It was, I think it was. It better, was better meat. Maybe. Like Fraser yeah. Smith has that joke. He goes, he goes, uh, tacos are thirty nine cents right now. At Taco Bell. He goes, dog food is fifty nine cents. <laughs> <laughs> Fraser. He's got some funny uh, shit. But. How's it going, Timmy? Good to see you. How yeah. about those Royals, huh? Yeah. He's, uh, a, he's a funny guy. Oh, the best. Did you get any barbecue when you were back in Kansas City? Not really, man. I did get some Casey's Pizza. Casey's Pizza is awesome. It's this gas station, and they have pizza that they make there, which sounds gross, but Casey's is better than most restaurants. It's a hearty. It's a hearty. It does remind me of, little, of pizza when we were little kids. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Remember Big Cheese? Did they have Big Cheese pizza in KC when you were a kid? No. Well, it was like the only I had like one location, but it was kick ass. Man, I'm getting hungry. How long have we done? I'm gonna get out of here. Yeah, we're getting there. Uh, yeah, we'll wrap it up. Yeah, the K- I lived off Casey's in. Uh, I lived in a small town north of Columbia, Missouri, with my cousin. It was his grandparents' farmhouse. Yeah, they're all over. Twenty miles north of Columbia, in the middle of nowhere, for saving up money to move to LA years ago, and that's what that was our. The closest was the Casey's. So we died. It was like a big ass pizza and a two liter for like eight bucks. I mean, mind you, this was <laughs> yeah. 2003 or 2004, but we had Casey pizza boxes stacked up everywhere. I mean, that was a two or three times. Like that was a, that was our night out really out in the, out in the country. Yeah. I got some fond Casey's memories, uh, pizza, pizza memories. Yeah. My friend, my friend, uh, Lucas in college had this girl that worked at Casey's and, uh, and she wasn't very attractive and <laughs> part of the big reason lucas would hook up with her is because she always hooked us up with casey's pizza <laughs> my friend joel started giving him shit he's like you going to pay the bill lucas yeah <laughs> <laughs> hey, i'm going to pay the bill <laughs> oh the shit you do for food in college oh that is- we used to sneak in uh, tupperware to uh, sirloin stockade and just take shit from their buffet you know Take like a backpack in with a with a with a Tupperware and just fill it up with fried <laughs> got chicken. Some Ziploc bags, slide a couple of yes. steaks in there. Your pockets get hot. <laughs> we fried we filled up fried chicken with those big gallon gallon uh, Ziploc. Dude, bags. you gotta get you got the colleges. Uh, you know, slim. I remember making a half hamburger, half ground sausage burger <laughs> on my on my George Foreman and just putting mustard and ketchup on it. Eat it. I'm just like. Screw it. There, just... there for a while, there was this Chinese buffet in Aggieville that was like, it was like five ninety nine all you could eat. And I would go there in the middle of the day and just eat as much as I could with the idea that it would sustain me for, you know, the whole day. And <laughs> I would eat 24 hours of food yeah, in an hour. It, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> Plus it's got all the MSG or whatever. You just get fat as hell. Yeah, just freaking fat. And, and Aggieville listeners, if you're not from the Midwest, that's uh, downtown Manhattan, Kansas, where Kansas State University is. It's in the middle of the state of Kansas. Yeah. And it's really, Aggieville is... is where all the bars are centrally located and really the only thing to do, yeah, I would say, in Manhattan. Is drink, pretty much. <laughs> drink, study, and become an engineer or yeah. a farmer or... Or a comedian. Or a comedian. Yeah, I was going to be a teacher and a wrestling coach, and I had 110 hours or something And when I decided to be a comedian. And I was like, I might as well get a degree. And she was like, you can have a social science degree next semester. And I was like, I'll take one of those. 
I was going to get a job at the freaking post office or something if comedy didn't work out. I'd yeah. I would have been that guy. You can just like go back to be like, yeah, all right, whatever. It works. Yeah. yeah I got a couple friends that that do that. You got good benefits. And uh, the only thing, it's like the flexibility is not, you know, you, you know you're working these six days a week and, you yeah. know, it's a little bit different. But God bless you guys that can do that because that ain't, that ain't in have my ever, schedule. Have you ever asked them why postal office workers they used to go nuts all the time. Remember that? Postal workers used to... It was a term, going postal. That's right. Uh, postal workers were shooting up places. They were the... That was the original Columbine That type. was the original shoot them up Yeah. And that hadn't happened in a while. They must have given them some more benefits or... Yeah, you're right. I think maybe they just... That what they found. They were like, okay, we found the the breaking point. Let's scale it back now, down from <laughs> mass shootings every three months at a location. Uh yeah, but they're, look, they're, it's drug tests and they do all the screening and like, you know, so say you're on the fringe of maybe not getting hired, you know, and you're all of a sudden like, all right, I'm going to quit smoking or quit doing this so I can get a job there. Now you work there and it's real stressful, but you can't go back to your vice that you've been relying yeah. on for all these years yeah. to just cope with shit. No, and then you just snap. Yeah, you know? that could be it. But, and it's just a stressful job. I, we talk about that all the time. Like we were, I was talking about that with somebody yesterday about how, you know, if I was in traffic every day, like some of these people are, for literally a couple of hours, three or four hours every fucking day, I don't see how more people don't snap, you know, than they do. I mean, I probably and, and my my friend that I was talking to pointed out, well. well they do in some ways, like have aneurysms and they seem perfectly healthy and they fucking drop dead. It's because they've been stressed out in their car for 20 hours a week for the last 20 years. You You're know, right. that wears on a person. Yeah, your heart and all that kind of stuff. And Remember that movie Falling Down with Michael Douglas? Hell yeah, it's one of, my, one of the greatest soundtracks. Yeah, uh, he's wearing that, he had that pinto and... Yeah, he just can't take it anyway. It's, that's a classic movie for you youngsters out there. Go Netflix, Falling Down. Falling but, down. But you're right, though. It's stress. And when he's saying no, three or four hours a day, we're not talking 120 miles of driving. You're talking 35 miles, yeah. 40 miles. And that's really what kills you. But the local car dealerships try to exploit this. All the ads for Lexus and BMW, all the high-end cars, that's that's their angle. Is you're in your car 24 hours a week, the average Los Angeles citizen. So why not be comfortable in the brand-new Mercedes-Benz 525i? And, you know, then it goes into a little sales speech. But it's it's, it's your second home. Yeah. It really is. I tell you what, though. If you're driving, there ain't no real comfort in freaking traffic. If you're if you're the one driving, I mean, if you're a kid and you're in the back, good for them, I guess. But if you're the one doing the driving, I mean, fuck. I just don't see. You're all heroes. All of you listening right now in the car, you're freaking heroes, and you don't get enough credit for having day jobs and, <laughs> and look uh, you don't even have to thank us for making that drive easier for you because right now as we approach the you know roughly the 51st 52nd minute of the show here you're like oh my god i'm actually almost to work right now and tim and john have been entertaining me uh this entire time and so now that's the whole purpose of this show yeah and you're welcome is is to uh make your day better and uh and well, make your day better, and then come out to see Tim live uh, whenever he's doing stand up all across this great country. Which, and see you live. You're going to be in Kansas City starting tomorrow, right? Absolutely, yes. And can't you Midwest listeners, you new listeners that uh, are to the, are picking up new to the show because you saw Tim last week at Stanford's. Welcome to the show, and for all you new listeners all over 
the country, welcome. But yeah, I'll be at uh, in Kansas City uh, this weekend at Stanford's from Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, five shows. So come on down. Afterwards, say hello. Um, I'll try to you know don't, be patient. If there's a long line, I'll definitely you know try to say what's up. But um, but for you, you're going to be in New York here next month at uh at the end of may i'm, I'm gonna do i'm doing a lot of stuff around in and around la in may and then at the end of uh end of may i'll be at the syracuse funny bone and then i just booked the des moines funny bone in june 8th through the 10th uh vegas 12th through the 18th yes yeah, 12th through the 18th of june yep at the uh tropicana yeah at, at laugh factory in las vegas that's so that's 14 shows listeners if you're this is the time to vacation in vegas when before it gets too hot so you got yeah. 14 opportunities to see tim yeah seven i think i think the shows are at eight o'clock eight thirty and ten thirty every night and it's a lot of fun for me i write a lot of i write a lot of material during that week i usually by the end of the week have a good solid five minutes of new stuff which yeah. for me is a lot because i don't write big chunks of you've stuff. you've been on stage the equivalent of a drive from here to portland oregon so yeah. you've had you've had some time to uh, yeah and 35 is the magic number you know 45 it's harder to do new stuff than it is 35 which sounds weird but it's not because it's basically like you're featuring and you sneak in a little bit of new stuff and then you close out strong and you're done you're like heavy hitter heavy hitter slide in new slide in new heavy hitter heavy yeah hitter. exactly nice. you just work it in and you know so yeah, so listeners, come. You know, if you're going to be in Vegas that week, come on out. And then in July, you're going to uh, Tim's going to be down in Springfield, Missouri, down in the Ozarks, close to Branson. Uh, so if you're down in that region, Joplin, that area, come out to the Blue Room. That's um, downtown Springfield. On, I believe on St. Louis Boulevard or St. Louis Street, but that's the Blue Room Comedy Club. That's uh, Friday the 14th and the 15th of yep. July. And then the following week, that's the La Jolla Comedy Store on the 21st, 22nd, the Friday and Saturday. And that's one of the best clubs in the country. It really is. Uh, the crowds are great. The venues. If you don't do well there as a comedian, you should quit. Actually, maybe that's the litmus <laughs> test. Like we were talking about, you need a card yeah. to become a, actually be considered. Like you didn't even do well in La Jolla, dickhead. You can't be a comic, you know, that kind of thing. It's, it's, it's actually, that's a... I think that's a good that's a that's an easy bar to pass. Yeah, you know to say if you can make if, but, but what we're really saying is the shows are awesome. Really, yes. is, is is come out and laugh your ass off. And San then, Diego's fun, yeah, dude. And it's even and to close out uh, July, which you're gonna God, you're busy as hell. It's gonna be the 27th, 28th, 29th, and the 30th, and that's at the the Funny Bone in Omaha, Nebraska. That's a club I've done myself. It's a great room. Yeah, it's, it's one of my favorites. It's a, it's a nice big room. Um, Get to do Todd and Tyler, the radio show. Those guys are great. It, um, but yeah, So Nebraska, Western Iowa, come on out for that. And then, okay, okay I'm going into August. That's uh, comedy. the comedy spot, downtown Scottsdale. That's yeah. August 17th, 18th, and 19th. And listeners, there's going to be more shows added in as the weeks go on. That's typically how... Uh, schedules fill up but guys you just go to tim gaither comedy that's g-a-i-t-h-e-r for the gaither tim gaither comedy.com all the uh all the dates are on there and then for twitter that's at gaither tim at gaither tim be sure and follow him there and yeah just stay in touch reach out we love your comments instagram i think is just at tim gaither Okay. Is it? I yeah, think, yeah, I think yeah. so. I'm asking you. I don't even freaking know. Um, but just sub- <laughs> subscribe to the show, guys. Like like we joked about earlier, but listenership is going up, and um, we're we're having a lot of fun doing the show, and we're learning. You know, this is kind of a new thing uh, as a as a co 
co-hosting kind of thing for both of us. So yeah, um, we're gonna keep adding stuff too. Right. Some more prank calls and my my uh, cousin AJ, who's a one man band musician, uh, he's gonna be on next week, I think. Try to and get him on. Justin's gonna be doing some spots, and uh, um, I know a lot of comics, so I'm just gonna start reaching out to him. But thanks for listening and keep listening. And uh, I think we're gonna can we close them out with a song from AJ Gaither? Yeah, yeah, we'll play um, we'll play a song from AJ Gaither, and again, hopefully we'll have him on next week. Uh, just laughing it up having a good time yeah he's my cousin he's got a one-man band i've never actually spoken to him since he was like four or five years old but we live kind of parallel lives and uh we're gonna talk to him and i think the first conversation we might ever have as adults is gonna be on this podcast next week so it'll be pretty cool proof that that shit's in the blood yeah exactly he's a badass so we're gonna close it close it out with a song from him and uh thanks for listening and, and subscribing and uh god bless you take care bye